As Margaret Mead said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. At Red Campus Labs, we believe in the power of data and expertise to fight the most heinous crimes, such as human trafficking and child sexual exploitation. In this podcast series, we talk about financial crime with people who care and want to make a difference. I'm Jonathan Bell, and this is A Few Thoughtful People by Red Compass Labs. Well, thank you for joining us today for our podcast discussion. We are all about payments, payments good and payments bad, helping banks to deliver great payment services to customers around the world, but also helping them to detect and prevent certain types of financial crime that might run through those same pipes. And today's conversation is picking up a theme that we've had over recent weeks and months with Karen Arable from Fifth Third Bank in the US. Karen is a senior financial crime director with the bank and has been talking with us and working with us of late on how to detect and prevent child sexual exploitation by looking at what's traveling through banking data. So we're going to dig into this a little bit more. But Karen, welcome. Would you like to maybe just introduce yourself, explain a little bit about your role, um, other than the very simplistic one I've given already? Thanks, Karen. Yeah. Hi, Jonathan. Thanks so much for having me today. I am the Director of Financial Crimes Investigations at Fifth Third Bank, and I have a team of analysts who investigate financial crime throughout the organization and help facilitate getting necessary information to law enforcement and the Department of Treasury where appropriate. So I'm excited to talk about this topic. It's near and dear to some work my team has been doing of late. And happy to raise awareness about the importance of doing this kind of work within the financial services industry. That's brilliant. Thank you very much for taking the time. I know life is very busy, particularly with people with your role. There's a lot to do all of every day. Well, just to just to set the scene, I mean, we call these conversations, this theme of this topic that we talk about really, a few thoughtful people here in Red Compass Labs. And um, it comes from a quote from a lady called Margaret Mead, who was a social anthropologist of all titles through the 1900s. And interestingly, looking at her, she said, never doubt that the impact that a few thoughtful, committed citizens can have and changing the world. And her view was that indeed it's the only thing that has ever made a difference. So thank you for joining us today on this podcast. By joining us, we would say you are one of those few thoughtful, committed citizens. Karen is definitely one of those. I would like to be one of those, but it's a few people I think you can make a real difference here. And Karen is helping to lead the way with it. This subject of child sexual exploitation is sadly enormous and growing. I mean, some horrendous stats in the US alone, not to single out the US, this is a problem in all the Western countries. They're estimated about half a million online predators active each day. And as we know, with the increased usage of the internet, smartphones, all these apps and devices that our kids have, this is a problem that can be closer to home than you would think. So it's a big problem, it's a big subject. And I think as we need to be active about what we can do to stop it. So Karen, I know you've been doing some work in this space. You said just in your little intro there that your team has been working on it of late. I mean, what are you seeing? Um, I guess child sexual exploitation is, I guess, the key theme of our conversation, but other crimes related. And what specifically, what are you seeing in your role? What are you guys working on? Yeah, so our bank has partnered with The Noble, which is a nonprofit organization that focuses on human trafficking and, and human crime. And so the, the, the Noble brings in financial institutions to work on specific topics, and we've partnered with them and several other regional banks on identifying transactional typologies that 
would evidence that a customer is either a victim or a perpetrator in child online exploitation. And what we found is that there is a very specific transactional typology that we see uh, where these individuals will leave their digital footprint in their transaction history and show that they are in some way, shape or form abusing or grooming or victimizing children through their activities on the internet. And so this has been a project that we've done in terms of how can we as a financial services industry assist law enforcement, assist the other organizations who are out there who are on the streets and helping get these crimes off the streets? How can we assist from an informational standpoint and help provide that direction to law enforcement on people that they should focus on and target on? And so my team has been doing a series of investigations on once we've understood these typologies, how, how do we investigate them? How do we work with law enforcement to get information to them? And then how do we support throughout the process of making sure law enforcement is educated and aware of what those transactional typologies are and how do we continue to facilitate ensuring that we are not knowingly allowing our customers to do this? Yeah, exactly. You mentioned about the the footprint that is left and, you know, a couple of thoughts spring to mind, you know, why is this the bank's problem is one one question, but I'm going to come back to that in a second. It is partly the bank's problem, but not only the bank's problem, I'm going to come back to that in a second. But in terms of that, that pattern of behavior, I mean, in Red Compass Labs, as you know, Karen, we've got this offer that we call Red Flag Accelerator, which looks at exactly those footprints. What is it that you would see inside the bank as all this information about these transactions, these customers flows through? What would you see in which combinations and which scenarios that would represent the risk that there is, that there are these sorts of crimes happening? And, and, and we share that with the banks and I've shared that with Karen, with Fifth Third, with Project Umbra, and, and it's, it's good to be seeing it used. There's additional factors as well in there, different, different players as well in the picture. So you mentioned law enforcement, ultimately detect what's happening such that law enforcement can make an intervention, right, is the, is the position. But from the bank's perspective, the bank has got so many things to worry about, so many different potential types of financial crime that could be running through the finances that they process and operate. Why is this one, I guess, from your perspective, sitting as you are in your role at Fifth Third, there in Cincinnati or thereabouts in the US. Why is this a particular area of interest for you guys? So Fifth Third Bank has initiatives around strengthening our communities and investing in our communities. We have a strong belief that uh, stronger communities make us all better and are going to uh, push us and, and the people we provide banking services to, to be able to be at their best. And so when we think about that initiative of investing in our communities from a financial crimes perspective, that often means protecting some of the vulnerable population within our communities. And when we think about vulnerable population, children are obviously at the very top of that list most often. And so from our standpoint in financial crimes, where we are often not on the streets able to provide lending services to underserved communities. We are not able to be actively involved in some of those other bank-wide initiatives. This is our way of helping invest in our communities, helping protect those vulnerable populations and helping to shed light on an issue that is very big and happening here in the United States that 
people don't always understand or see how it happens and can happen to anyone. Yeah, exactly. Strong communities is really key, isn't it? And the bank obviously has all sorts of interest in that happening on a human level and on an ongoing business level. Of course, we often say as we've worked at Red Compass Labs in banking for the past couple of decades, we get old enough, we can say things like that. But actually, a strong society needs a strong banking, a strong banking infrastructure, and then it brings order and it brings it brings access to funds and finances that can help people with their lives to be the best that they can be, as you say, exactly. Now, that's really great to hear what Fifth Third is doing with the local community. That's that's fantastic. Just to bring it bring it into Project Umbra a bit now, a little bit of the history of Umbra. That was um, something that was an idea that was, I guess, born and initiated in Canada, a bit further north than Cincinnati where they worked with a group of banks in Canada to define some processes as to how to raise information and surface that through to the regulators and law enforcement. Is that, in a nutshell, exactly what came down into your experience with the US-focused project, Umbra? Yeah, so the the project in Canada kicked off and they really did a lot of preliminary investigative work in helping to build those transactional typologies of what financial services will see uh, when this kind of activity is happening in their transaction platforms. And so they shared that with Umbra, they shared that with the banks who participated in this smaller rollout here in the U.S. And we're continuing to work today on how do we roll that out to more financial institutions. So we are actively looking to involve other banks and some of the larger banks here in the U.S., get them engaged. What we've found is that training is really key here is that once your investigators and your entire financial crimes department, in all honesty, understand those transactional typologies, the red flags to look for when they're dealing with customer information and customer account transactions, that we are we see this activity in places you wouldn't normally expect to see it. And so that education is so critical to getting out to the folks who look at accounts. My team looks at tens of thousands of customer accounts every year. And so when we're looking at them, oftentimes from a financial crimes perspective, we're looking at larger dollar payments, international wires and, and very big transactions. Whereas when we're looking at child exploitation, it's not always that obvious, it's a pattern. And so when everyone is aware of what that pattern looks like, we are seeing it in places that we wouldn't normally expect to see it. And so if we can educate more financial institutions, we can educate more investigations departments, throughout the other financial services industries who have consumer and client accounts, then we will have a much larger impact and we will be able to do more as the banking services industry as a whole. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's, I mean, that, that training point is really key, isn't it? We've got to help people to know what they're seeing when they see it. We often say, don't we, in this space, these sorts of crimes are hidden in plain sight. They're right before our eyes and we don't spot it because we don't recognize it. But helping the people on the front lines to see it and therefore you can intervene, can act. Yeah. I think obviously COVID changed the world for yes. everybody in one way or another. Um, and one of those changes was a proliferation of these sorts of crimes, sadly, because being able to sell certain things over the internet was a way to make money when other things were perhaps closed down for a time. And I guess it can make us think that these problems typically are far away, right? And I, I think there's, there's a tragic statistic, really, of that the top three countries who are the most guilty of, I guess, paying for these sorts of crimes are 
the UK, where I'm sitting right now, Australia, where our friend was with us on the panel just recently talking about this, Brad from Australia, and of course the US. So these are that's a terrible podium roll call of countries. But it suggests almost that the recipients of that information, the images, whatever, are in you know Western countries, but maybe the real victims are far away. But it's not it's not a problem that's happening far away, really, is it? No, and so it's been really interesting as we've worked through this project, where as we went into it initially, uh, the the very common typology in a pre-COVID world was that we should be looking for transactions in Thailand, Philippines, Southeast Asia, and that these were activities that were happening there, being recorded, and consumers in the Western world were purchasing that media over the internet. And like you said, COVID changed everything for everyone. It forced everyone into online environments to do everything from work and school and shopping and communicating with friends. Everything moved online. And we've seen a major shift in the payment typology where these individuals, these predators are no longer shopping internationally. They are able to groom victims down the street from them. They are able to groom victims here locally in the US, in, in the UK and Australia. And so this major shift in the payment typology has been really significant in what we are seeing in our activity and what we are able to raise for law enforcement's in, in awareness and involvement. And I think that's something that as parents, as like the general public doesn't always truly understand. And so it was really interesting as I was starting to engage in this project, we were starting to talk about these typologies. We're starting to look at things shifting here to the U.S., looking at more domestic payments, domestic activity. And about six to eight weeks into the project, one of my daughter's classmates actually filed a lawsuit against her school and the Archdiocese of Cincinnati because during COVID, where everyone was forced online to do remote learning, she was actually targeted and groomed by several predators through the computer that the school had provided her that had security software on it to help prevent through the it. school computer through that so the school's <laughs> through material the school wow. computer yeah and so that really definitely hit home and as you know you and I've been on the speaking circuit on this a little bit and we've been talking with some of our peers in the financial services industry and one thing that i always touch on and say as we're talking through this is that it's happening here in suburban Cincinnati. It's happening everywhere. And this is not something that is a faraway problem that is impacting a, a kid somewhere in the in the Far East that we would never see or know. Like it's happening to our children here. And we are not immune from a socioeconomic standpoint. We are not immune from a location standpoint. It's something that we all need to be aware of and vigilant on. So yeah. Wow. And it brings it home, doesn't it, that this is close to home. It's it's our problem. It's not someone else's problem. Yeah. Um, well, we could talk for ages about this, but we are actually <laughs> approaching the end of our time already. I mean, just to just to summarize, I mean, great work from the Noble for, for pulling a group of people together, including Karen, your team at Fifth Third Bank and others to start to address this. I think the work's only just begun and it's it's a crime type that we need to address it's all of our problems, right? It's it's not just other oh, law enforcement should deal with it. It takes the regulators to sharpen up further on what to, what's to be detected. It takes the banks to be able to surface what they see, as you say, by knowing, by being trained on what it is they're looking for. It's a it's a huge and growing problem, and so it takes a few people at least to start to address it and do something about it. 
Well, Karen, thank you very much for joining us today. Any closing thoughts you wanted to share with our listeners? You know, I think everybody, this is something that everyone should be aware of and understand how the computer games that your kids are playing can be used to be to communicate with them, what the red flags are from behavioral standpoints and changes in your children's behavior and thinking about how do how do we protect our kids, you know, and it, it's so funny because I'll always talk to my kids about like, make sure you have the settings on Roblox so that you're, you can only talk to the people you're friends with and only the people you know. And they, they act like I'm ridiculous. They're like you work at a bank, you look at numbers. What, are, what do you mean? This is what you deal with every day. And so, you know, I think it's really important that we continue to educate the work we're doing here, Jonathan, that you and I've done a couple of times now in, and speaking in public forums, how do we help educate law enforcement about the transaction typology so that they see that connection from the payment to the purchase of the illicit material? How do we connect those dots? How do we raise awareness with financial institutions so that more people are seeing those payment typologies in their customers' transactions? How do we continue to raise awareness with parents and the members of the community so that everyone sees what this is and, and how it happens and how the vulnerable populations are impacted and connected with. And that's really the key element. And as we all work together, we're going to do a better job of identifying this crime as it's happening and preventing it from happening again, which is, is ultimately the goal. Yeah, stronger communities exactly. and we're stronger together. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're better for it. Detection and prevention, getting ahead of it is the goal really, isn't it? To stop it before it happens. Yeah, yeah definitely. Karen, thank you. Fantastic. Thank you very much for your time. Great to speak to you again. I hope to see you somewhere very soon, there or here or somewhere else. Um, <laughs> thanks to thanks to those who've listened in to this conversation. If you'd like to know more, feel free to reach out to Karen or to myself. Thank you for the part that you're playing in helping to address some of these problems. Karen, thanks again. Have a great day. Thanks Thank for you. having me, Jonathan. Thank you for listening to A Few Thoughtful People podcast by Red Campus Labs. If you've enjoyed this discussion, please show your support by following us on your chosen audio platform. We also encourage you to join the discussion on our LinkedIn Red Flag Accelerator page. That's all for this episode. See you next time.